Hello, I'm Rob Smith, and you're listening to Audio Interference, presented by Interference Archive. This week, we look at the struggle for housing right here in Brooklyn. We'll hear from housing attorney Jean Stevens about affordable housing, displacement, and Airbnb. A lot of people I know have trouble with their landlord, but they move. They don't, they have the money, they have the equity to like pay a down payment and a broker fee and whatever and move and get a moving truck and go. But a lot of my clients don't have that. They have to stay and like fight it out because they really don't have a choice. We'll also hear from attendees at an anti-gentrification rally at the Brooklyn Museum. Stay tuned. First up, we'll hear from Gene Stevens. In the spring of 2015, Gene moderated a panel at Interference Archive on the role of law and legal work in the New York City housing movement. Just last month, I sat down with Jean to hear how she's helping to keep tenants in their home. My name is Jean Stevens. I am a housing attorney. I originally went to law school because I was interested in labor law and, and, and workers and, and rights for workers, but I was interested in that because I originally bef- had been working as a journalist writing about food and food issues. And while writing about food issues, I, of course, didn't take too long before you think about people working in the food industry. You know, there's so many um, interesting stories related to food workers and land, like who has right to farm and who has right to seeds. And so that sounds sort of esoteric, but I was really interested in access to food. And then I became interested in the labor issues around the food industry. Um, so anyway, so I got very interested in in New York City landlord tenant rights because I felt like it it um, kind of aligned with my economic justice perspective, which was actually one of the reasons I became interested in farm workers and workers and their owner. It was just from a different perspective. Instead of thinking about workers, their rights and property rights of indigenous people and thinking about who's working the land, I was actually interested in tenants. Can you tell me a bit about what your day-to-day is like? Well, I'm now a lawyer at Brooklyn Legal Services, Corporation A. So my unit is a bit different from the people that do straight eviction defense, what we say, eviction prevention, because we focus on tenant associations. We work with groups of tenants in buildings who everybody in the building is facing the same sorts of things, like really bad repairs or really bad conditions that need to be repaired, harassment, they're facing um, rent overcharge, like the rents being charged in their units all of a sudden are double what they used to be. And the tenants might not know that that's not legal. That can't happen. Um, So we represent groups of tenants and they form kind of like a labor union. They form a tenant association and the tenants, and that's actually totally legal under New York laws. um, So the tenant associations form together and they decide together what they want to do. Do they want to uh, bring their landlord to court in a group case to say, hey, stop all this harassment or, hey, you know what, our ceilings have all been like falling in. Maybe you want to fix those and we're going to hold you to that. Or, hey, we're going to bring another case saying that you're overcharging all of us way too much. And uh, so that's what we do. And that's specifically funded by the city because they knew that if there weren't specific legal offices funded to do this type of legal work, if we don't do that, 
it's just going to be playing whack-a-mole, each individual tenant trying to assert their rights in individual cases, which isn't as powerful as like groups of tenants all bringing cases together. The city saw it as like more bang for their buck, basically. So to do that, we work with organizers who are based in community-based organizations in the neighborhoods. We work with them to help organize the tenants, to meet with the tenants regularly. Although in the process, I also do eviction defense because sometimes um, tenants will be sued in retaliation by the landlord when we bring these cases or they're already in proceedings. And tenants are struggling already before we show up. So there's always cases happening already when we get to a building. Like, you know, usually some people are struggling with the rent because rents in New York, rents in Brooklyn are the highest they've ever been. In these neighborhoods, East New York, Cypress Hills, Brownsville, are neighborhoods where people who are priced out of other neighborhoods have been moving for years. Like, you know, this would be a, these would be neighborhoods you'd tell people to go check out if they got priced out of Bed-Stuy, Crown Heights, even Sunset Park, you know? And now these rents, like everywhere else, are going up. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult time right now, I think, to be a tenant. When I'm talking about all this, sometimes people think, literally assume I'm like talking about like a bunch of like tenants who have been like drug dealers not paying the rent for years. Like they're like, oh God, like, well, these are terrible people anyway, you want them out. But I will tell you, there's a lot of people who are being, who are in housing court, who are being sued, who are having trouble with the landlord, who are like grandmothers who've been there forever. Their biggest problem is that they're not paying a lot in rent and maybe they complain about stuff and then all of a sudden they're like high on the on the hit list, you know what I'm saying? But I've also been to meetings at the Crown Heist Tenant Union or the Flatbush like tenant union essentially and you'll see like gentrifiers, like people who have moved in there who are like either like students or whatever. A lot of them are white and they're saying the same sort of stuff is happening to them too. Like the same sort of bad treatment and they're being brought to court. And the, the reason why we predominantly don't see a lot of white gentrifier hipsters like in housing court or being sued, it's because they move before it gets to that. But a lot of my clients don't have that. They have to stay and like fight it out because they really don't have a choice. They're like, where am I gonna go? I don't have enough money to like find a new place on the spot. You know what I'm saying? So it's not necessarily that people who are the only people having trouble with landlords are like these like low income tenants who've been here forever. It's like a lot of people are having trouble. It's just who can afford to go and not deal with the problem. Who doesn't want to deal? You know, fine. Like I don't fine. Like I, I, if you can move and you want to move, great. You know, fantastic. But a lot of people don't have a choice and I wish everybody would stay and try to fight it out. Speaking of difficult times for tenants, um, I understand that the city council is considering guaranteeing that all low-income tenants have housing attorneys at housing court. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Well, I think generally that's a very good idea, and it's a very smart idea, and it's a very kind of like a basic idea. The, the logic behind having a right to a lawyer in a criminal case is that your freedom is at stake. If you are arrested and you're incarcerated, you have like no freedom. You're literally trapped because you are literally about to like lose your freedom. But I think what people don't realize is that in the housing situation, if you lose your apartment, yeah, you have a freedom of mobility. You know, you can take the subway, you can keep, you know, walking around, but like everybody needs to sleep at some point. Everybody needs to lie down. Everybody needs to theoretically cook because you can't eat out forever you know everybody if they have kids needs somewhere to sit with their kids like their kids need safety um 
So a lot of people will argue in an international context, there's a human right to housing. You just have like a right, you, you should have a right to housing. Now in New York City, there is a recognized human right to housing, but it doesn't really translate so much really into um, then everybody should have a free apartment. Like that's that's not really how it works, you know, but kind of the closest thing we've come to in New York is that everyone has a right to shelter. So if you lose your apartment for whatever reason you do have a place you can go where you can at least sleep you can have some kind of safety and so i think the right to a lawyer and in the housing context is really smart because you're asking people who don't know their rights and are frankly often not able to access and understand their rights and i don't mean just low-income tenants since i started doing this job i have people who went to college with me people who are attorneys in other fields asking me questions about their leases, asking me questions about their rights. It is not easy to understand. It is very complicated and very scary. I think if you're in a housing situation with your landlord, you really want a lawyer, no matter who you are. Um, and so I think it's a very good idea just for that fact alone. Um, but a lot of people will say what we really need instead of more lawyers is more money to help people pay for their rent. We don't have as many subsidies offered to tenants as we did 20 years ago. Section 8 no longer really exists. It exists, but people can't get new Section 8 vouchers. There's like 100,000, and that's a limited number. There's no there's, there's no 101,000. It's only 100,000, and unless Ms. Smith dies, Ms. Jones is not going to get a subsidy. She needs to get Ms. Smith's subsidy when she dies, you know? So everyone's on this waiting list. It's a huge waiting list. Same with public housing. There's a waiting list that's like eight years long. So if you want to get on the waiting list, fantastic, but you're going to have to find something else for eight years. So I guess in an ideal world, we need lawyers for everybody, but we also need subsidies for everybody. We also need more housing for people. So if they ultimately do have to move, they can find a place. So I guess in a real lawyer-like answer, um, it's complicated. Uh, <laughs> I guess as a fundamental principle, I agree with the idea. I agree with the idea. I think the idea is very important and critical. I think anybody being sued anytime should have access to a lawyer. Next, we moved on to the topic of luxury developments that for tax benefits or other incentives include some affordable housing in their plans. I asked Sheen if this plan was helping or hurting tenants overall. A lot of the time it does come down to like, you can build X amount of market rate apartments and then you have to build X amount of like, like subsidized apartments or like lower income apartments. A lot of people who have been here longer than I have, who have been working in Brooklyn housing or New York housing, what they've seen is this doesn't really work because usually in order to make this enticing enough to private developers, usually a much bigger chunk has to be market rate and a much smaller chunk is like subsidized and i guess the issue is that always this just creates a giant incentive to build tons of market rate apartments and you just look at the numbers like you'll have way more market rate apartments than low income apartments but in this city we have way more people who make less <laughs> than make more so what are you seeing automatically you're seeing a big influx of people who can afford those bigger apartments and they're making the rents overall in the neighborhood go way up because now landlords who can raise their rents other landlords or who maybe you're going to try to do some things to get existing low-income tenants out so they can raise the rents on those units, are going to do it. Because suddenly they're saying, oh my god, all these new people are pouring in. I could raise the rent because now this area is hot. Like, I can make it hot. 
I can make, I can raise the rent more. And that's what we've seen over and over and over again in all these neighborhoods. So I, I feel like conflicted because then the other argument is like, well, then how else are we going to build affordable units? And that's where, and that's exactly the heart of what's going on right now in the conversations about affordable housing. You'll hear de Blasio say it. He'll say, well, there's no other way to build new units to get a greater number of units in the city to reduce the density unless we make it appealing to private developers. Like, why are they going to want to build a bunch of, like, housing where they can't charge as much when they could charge more? Why would they do that? So we have to incentivize it. So you hear that over and over, and that's where you'll hear a huge amount of debate. So people on the other side say, we don't know what to tell you. Find a way to bring them in or have the federal government subsidize these apartments, the building of these apartments, because right now we have more need for affordable homes than for like incredibly, incredibly expensive homes. So it's kind of, it's very frustrating because you're kind of like, we need more housing at levels that people actually can afford, you know, but then, but then you come down to this philosophical discussion. Well, it's like, well, if that's what the market will bear, then why shouldn't the owner build way more market rate? So I don't know. I don't love it, but I don't know what the answer is. And that's what a lot of people will say. Finally, I asked for her thoughts on Airbnb in New York City. So the debate about Airbnb is pretty sim simple. On one hand, people say Airbnb is awesome because it allows people to have a new stream of income. I have friends who are attorneys who will rent out their apartments in Airbnb because it because they live alone and it's helpful to cover that rent every month if you rent a fourteen hundred and you're only making. 2000 a month, you know, that really helps to have for 2500 or whatever. Um, so definitely, definitely, definitely understand that. And if you hear the most pro argument usually about Airbnb, it's that it really helps people with their income every month. It's a beautiful stream of income and you get to meet new people and it's fantastic and everything is utopian. Yeah. But the problem, the reason why people are having trouble paying their rents, okay, bear with me, is that the rents are getting higher, right? But people's incomes, even if you're like, you know, a working professional working like, you know, a pretty decent job, it's still very tight. You basically in the city need to have a roommate, need to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You gotta, you, you hope you gotta get a better job or something, but it comes to a point where a lot of people either leave New York because they can't afford it anymore and they're not gonna suddenly become the CEO of some company. You will literally be struggling. So Airbnb sounds like a great solution, right? But maybe that's like a temporary Band-Aid. It's like the real solution is we need better rents. Like we can't, this cannot go on forever. You know, Airbnb basically, what a lot of people say, camouflages or kind of obscures the real issue. The real issue is that the rents are going up and people, even people who are making pretty decent money aren't affording them. So I think it's not necessarily that Airbnb itself is bad. It's just that essentially this corporation has found a way to profit off of people's crisis. Now we venture across town to the Brooklyn Museum to hear from those affected by the housing crisis. Once home to a series of real estate conferences, this summer, after much pressure from protesters and employees alike, the Brooklyn Museum let those displaced by developers hold their own event. The Brooklyn Community Forum on Anti-Gentrification and Displacement represented the experience of everyday Brooklynites. 
We asked a few attendees about what brought them to the forum, and here's what they had to say. I was born and raised here, and the fact that I went to college, I'm a working professional, and I can't come back to my own community and buy a house is a very big problem. I mean, this is like all people getting pushed out of their community, so it's a very important topic to even discuss, period, let alone like fight for it, because at the end of the day, where do our people go when all this stuff happens, you know? like People say like, oh, it changes the community, it makes it better, but it doesn't make it better for us. All that ends up happening to us is that we end up getting pushed into other bad communities anyway, so it's not like it's helpful to us, it's detrimental to us. We get ripped out of our homes and sent to other bad places. That's why I feel like we need to talk about this, you know? Because I live here, I live in Brooklyn, and I, I, I can do better, I know I can do better. Um, it was definitely a huge knowledge gap. So it was nice to have some of those things filled in and nice to have some working steps and things they can do. I work for an organization, Open Source Gallery, which is in South Slope. You know, we're located in a primarily white, sort of middle to high income neighborhood. And um, I don't know, we basically want to bring the conversation to our neighborhood because it doesn't seem to be happening there already because a lot of people have already been pushed out. So I think we need to sort of bring it back in because it does affect everyone. Although it's a huge fight and a scary fight, Sometimes you got to stand up on principle and you have to believe that through the courts and, th and we like to give a little shout out to the museum and through art, activism can work and it will work because moving forward, we're going to win because we're not going to give up. You've been listening to Audio Interference produced by Interference Archive. The archive is collectively run and volunteer powered. If you like what you heard today, consider making a donation to help keep the archive up and running. Just go to interferencearchive.org and click on Donate. From all of us at Audio Interference, thanks for listening.